How's everybody doing? Many of you are, are you fasting with us. If you're not, I want to encourage you to. Not just because of us, but fasting is good. I would never have been a big fan of fasting at all. Obviously, you probably can tell that by looking at me. Um, I love food. I say that a lot, but I'm a fan. Um, but I can say that there's something very special about this fast for my own heart. And I believe all things are common among the brethren. <laughs> so uh, I believe what it, it does for me, it can do for you. So I want to engage uh, you today to enter in this fast with us as Christian, uh, Christian, Christian hey. Crystal, uh, <laughs> sorry, Crystal touched upon, we're believing God for the fulfillment of unfulfilled promises over our ministry. Has God ever spoke a promise to you? Has he ever, uh, you, you can shake your head, that's always good, group partition is awesome, I love it. Has God ever spoken a promise to you and uh, you've waited sometimes, kind of, maybe years, or maybe months, or weeks, I don't know, maybe, maybe days or seconds, I don't know, but you've waited for that promise and you've waited. Come on, God's not a man that he would lie. He doesn't string us along in his promises. He would just draw, you know, I didn't ask for any of the promises anyways. I'm not saying, God, give me promises so I can be strung along for years till they happen. No, God doesn't work like that. His promises are yes and amen. And we're believing that uh, by just availing our heart to the Lord. You know, there, there, listen, you can, you, we, can all, we can avail our heart to the Lord without fasting. I, I can, I, you know, but there's something about fasting, I, I can say personally, that it just sensitizes our hearts and makes us just much more available, I guess, or much more clearer in hearing the Lord's voice. It's the third day of my fast, and I can, no, no lie, I'm not a dramatist, I don't think so. You may think that, I mean, you may think I'd make drama over everything, I don't know. But I can honestly say that this fast has so sensitized my heart, I feel like I'm hearing clearer, I feel like, I, I mean, I had my first dream in like years. That's awesome, and I believe it was a God dream, but there's just something about fasting that does that. Lou Engel says simply this, he says, fasting, it decreases your appetite for the world and increases your appetite for the things Come of God. On. I mean, if there's one guy we should be learning about fasting, it's Lou, that guy, and I've never seen him where he's not fasting. <laughs> so, it's simply this, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread and bread alone. You know, we, we, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and I believe that fasting kind of just makes it so much easier to understand the words of God, to understand what He's speaking to our hearts through dreams, maybe just maybe through His still small voice, whatever it might be. But I just want to encourage you, engage with us, because we believe that there is good things on the other side of this fast. We don't fast because of the good things, but, but it, it, it plays... Listen, I'm not giving up food just to give up food, amen? I love it, okay? I, I'm looking to God for something at the end of the fast. I'm not ashamed of that at all. If you are, we need to break some spirits off you. Anyways, not my message, but anyways, I just want to encourage you to join in with us. Um, I intended to speak out of, uh, I believe, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. I'm not going to do that, just because fasting changes everything. <laughs> or for me, fasting has changed everything. Uh, in the uh, short couple of days that we've done this, um, we were at our siege just Saturday, um, coming off of, I don't know, I was coming out of eight hours of prayer Friday, so I was like, jacked up on the Lord, you know, that's probably why I had that dream, I was just like beaming with the, I don't know, it just was good, it was a good feeling, I went right to the fast early, I mean right to the siege early morning, 
just felt as I was driving my van, the Lord speak to me just so kindly. I love that. Listen, I, I love that. I don't take it for granted that. I love when the Lord speaks to me. And in essence of Him speaking to me, kind of changed the whole direction. My purpose today was to preach on the body of Christ and how we function and relate to one another, how, how uh, Paul compares the human body to the body of Christ and such on and so forth. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm actually going to speak out of a nice children's story that we all know of. Well, we've deemed it as a nice children's story. Um, but it's something much more than that. You, know, you can't really even talk about this subject without getting some laughs because just the way we kind of look at it, this portion of Scripture and how it's kind of stuck with us and, and how we think we're so familiar with it, but we're probably really not all that familiar with it and understand it to its totality. But I want to talk out of 1 Samuel, starting in chapter 16. This is, yes, this is the message of David and Goliath. No, I'm not going to preach on giant slayers, okay? I'm not going to start saying we need to slay a bunch of giants, although I am. But I'm not going to use those terms, that kind of cliche corniness that we hear in the body of Christ. Um... I'm sorry for saying that. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. Okay. When I was driving in my van around 9.30, Saturday morning, going to the siege, I felt the Lord just speak to me about just the, the parallels between what we do and what David did. Uh, in our movement, we deem abortion, and this is not an abortion message, so please just bear with me. Uh, we deem abortion as the, as the church's uh, Goliath, so to speak. Uh, we, we, we feel as though in our movement, if you hear Lou, if you stick around or hear any of the blogs from uh, Bound for Life, so on and so forth, any Justice House of Prayer, uh, we, we, we tool this line of com- the comparing uh, uh, Goliath to, to uh, the, the nation's epidemic of abortion and how God wants to slay the giant. Mm-hmm. Our, our catchy slogan was seven years ago, which is awesome, giants were made to fall. That was the slogan. Giants were made to fall. You know, that seems so much of a, uh, in today's Christianity, it seems so much like, a, well, you know, giants were made to fall. But how many know God has not made giants so that we can be overcome and retreat, but that we can slay, we can take down the giants that we face? We face many giants. I'm just using the abortion as kind of our signature and what we focus on in prayer. But we face many giants. I have more giants in my own personal life that I know the Lord's calling me to, uh, to, to war against and to overcome. But anyways, I started just thinking about the foolishness of David. Here, here he is, a, a little scraggly young man. You know, he's, he's, uh, his intention wasn't to go to war, even though his brother kind of uh, said he was a prideful, arrogant man and he knew what he was up to. His, that wasn't his intention. His intention was simply just to serve his father and bring food to his uh, brothers, and that's what he did. But as he did, he overheard this uncircumcised Philistine, don't laugh at me or yell at me, that's what the Bible says, mocking the armies of God, Israel. And David gets irritable. He gets annoyed with this. And he says, who's defiling the armies of the Lord? Who's that, who's that big talker back there shooting his mouth off? David gets inspired to do something. He starts ranting. You know, the thing I love about David is there was actually incentive here. The, the, the guards started talking to him. Hey, if, you, if we slay this giant, if any one of us stand up to this guy and overcome him, we'll, I, I think we'll get married, we can get married to one of the king's daughters, and um, we, get no ta- we don't have to pay our taxes for a while. 
it's pretty good. So David's here and says, hey, that's a good deal. You know, we kind of think like there was no incentive. Like David just like, you know, he's going to take it on because he's just, no. He, he saw the incentive. He's like, yes, come on. <laughs> Marriage and money. Woo! <laughs> so David gets annoyed. The news starts circulating through the camp. The king gets her ear of it. He calls good old David into his uh, chambers. Now, Saul knew, knew who David was actually in verse uh, 16. I believe, yes, verse 16, later in the chapter, uh, somewhere, I'm, I'm just going to, you don't have to turn there, but uh, actually, prior to this, David was actually serving in the king's courts, trying to temper the demons that God put on Saul, <laughs> uh, trying, to, trying to deliver him through his nice little heart playing. They called upon David because they knew this musician was anointed, gifted, and they said, hey, listen, Saul... Actually, the scripture says that the Lord had placed this spirit, this evil spirit on Saul. And their idea was, hey, we need a gifted musician. Let's calm this thing down. Let's calm Saul down. So they knew each other. They, they were familiar because David spent uh, a long time there. He went back and forth and uh, in, in serving his dad and serving in the king's chambers. Uh, but anyways, back to my story. Saul calls this guy in. He's kind of laughing at him. I think I would too if I was Saul. I'd be like, dude, you see that guy out there? He's going to tear you apart, bro. You're like, you're, like, you're like skin and bones. You're like water, bro. What are you doing? And Dave says, no, man, I'm going to take this puppy down. I'm going to take this giant down. So Saul, in his brilliance, says, okay, take my armor, David. <laughs> David finds out this thing is just going to work. He goes to what's familiar. David goes to what's familiar. But a little bit foolish in my eyes, because I probably would have grabbed that big old sword. I probably would have strapped that armor on me, regardless how big it is. And if I could carry it or whatever, I'd go out there, you know, the way everybody goes out there. But David doesn't. He says, no, I'm going to go with what's familiar. I'm going to go with what takes out bears and lions when I'm trying to fend them off or get one of my father's sheep back. And he grabs a stone and a sling. Not only is he skinny and looks just like a punk, although a good-looking punk, according to the word, but he wants to break to face some nine-foot-tall dude a rock and a sling. I probably would have done the same thing to life did as he came after me like, what? You come after me with this? This is the best you got? But I started to think of the irony of what we do, if that's the right word, of in our day now, the stone and the sling is now a Sharpie pen and some red duct tape. Come on. It's good. Foolish, right? I think so foolish, but that has been on Time Magazine Many senators have adopted the life band, have adopted the Bound for Life message. It's, 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 it's probably, I don't know what the number is now, but it's that life band that you see, that little God end abortion and send revival to America, is in the hands or, or on the wrist. It's not on mine today, forgive me, Jesus. Uh, but it's on the wrist of millions in America today. Millions of prayer shooting up into heaven's God, end abortion and send revival to America. Anyways, I start thinking about the irony of this. Us going to the John Adams Courthouse, maybe 10, 15 of us sometimes, if God's good. And we go there, simple prayers, with life band and a Sharpie pen. I mean, with life tape and a Sharpie pen. Kind of ridiculous when it comes to thinking about taking down giants, right? But nevertheless, didn't God use this, the ridiculousness of what seemed to be in Scripture that David used against this giant? Pretty profound if you look at it. You know, we 
try as the church so much to, to defeat giants or to bring out breakthrough in such flashy, you know, kind of, you've got to have the best speakers, you know, the, the world-renowned speakers. I've been, listen, I've been, I've been to blame for that. I've tried to bring in many well-known people. It doesn't work. But isn't that the way we do? We try to bring in the best worship band, the best lighting, the best sound system. Oh, the fog machines, the fake glory. Thank you, Jesus. If you can't get it one way, we'll get another. Put the dry ice in the machine. It's the glory. But sometimes all God needs is just a weak, what seems to be insignificant strategies from heaven. What seems to be familiar to David. A sharpie and red duct tape. Listen, I'm saying this because it's our vision at John Adams Courthouse to fill once a month that courthouse with believers doing what seems to be insignificant. Mm -hmm. Taking our stone, taking our sling, and facing the giant. Mm -hmm. Facing the giant of abortion. Mm -hmm. Guys, we can stand and be mad about bad things that happen in our world, but if we choose to do nothing about them, they will continue to be bad. I believe, it's my belief, it's my opinion, sorry if this offends you, that abortion can end. But it ain't going to end by an army who's just running the other way, scared of some big mouth. giant. You understand... Goliath really didn't prove himself as a warrior. I'm sure he was a warrior, but he simply poured fear into Israel's army by just his mouth and his stature. Mm. That was it. And how often are the similarities between us when it comes to some giants that we face? I'm using abortion as kind of like a big, big giant, but we can, we can use this analogy into every aspect of our life. This man was able to terrify all of Israel's armies, by just his, his, his presence in his mouth. He didn't go up and start slaying a bunch of guys and say, look, look at what I can do. He proved his military skills. Nada, folks. There's something to be said that, you know, the enemy's got a lard bark. He often sometimes seems very big. But you know what? Compared to God, greater is he who is in me. He's a little small entity who can be toppled. Now, I understand some of this sounds cliche. I'm sorry for the, that aspect of it, but where are the Davids? I feel like the church is just caught up like as the Israelites. Oh my God, another war! Let's just retreat to our walls and our prayer rooms. I'm just as guilty to that. I'm just as guilty. I, I have a house of prayer. I do, I do prayer. I love it. I'm not... Underestimate. But let's just retreat. Let's, the enemy's too strong. It's too big of a fight. Let's code terror, fear. Now, God is looking to raise up young Davids who will stand at the face of the giant with just a rock and a sling, with just red tape and a sharpie. My question is to you, in regards to this giant abortion, what are we going to do? For our city. What does it mean for our city? And I know some of you guys come from other parts, but you're here now. You're here now. You've been here for years. You know, maybe we should lock arms, join together, mobilize something that's for a greater cause. Mobilize something that could actually 
make an impact. You know, even if it doesn't totally eradicate it, the stance alone is enough to get our message across. You know, I wonder if Israelites maybe just didn't go to hand-in-hand combat with Goliath. They just took a stance. They started, who is this dude? One man, one little scrawny boy. <laughs> you know, running at the big nine-foot beast. Boom! One shot down. I wonder what could take place if the church actually galvanized, unity, unified themselves together and stood in front of courthouses, plant parenthoods. You know, but we, you know what? The bottom line is we can never do that if our own lives we don't do that. Right. If we can't take stance against petty emotional... Listen, David was rejected by... David couldn't even come to the family meeting when Samuel came to look for a king. He wasn't even invited. I'm not saying they pushed him away, but he certainly, they weren't like, hey, go get David. We got one more son up there. We get. No, they were like, listen, these are my boys. Look at them. Big, strong, look kingly. Homie, come on. And, and Samuel was like, wait, wait, wait. There's somebody not at this party. David had every chance prior to this experience and after this experience to become emotionally scarred for life. Running from Saul. He's going to kill me. You know? Or my dad. Why, why is he not inviting me to the family meeting? Why don't I get to come? But yet, it doesn't affect him at all. Our emotions, guys, they're often too big. They're too big. We, we kind of look at them. When I mean emotions, I mean some of the ways that we process and we deal with hurt and pain. We, we make them suckers way big than they ought to be. Yeah. And that's what Israel was doing. They were making Goliath way more than what he was really. Mm. You know, but, 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 but David hadn't... hadn't hey, listen, he wasn't like that. Uh, okay, Dad didn't invite me to the family meeting. I still got anointed against King. Just call notes. Right? Come on. <laughs> But we'll never be able to face big, a giant, big giants as a church, as a corporate body, if, we, if on a one-on-one basis we can't face giants by ourselves. If we can't overcome giants by ourselves. If we can't defeat our struggle with pornography. I'm sorry. Well, he said it. No, not in church. The percentage of those struggling with pornography, when you just break it down to rooms, they're huge. So it's no doubt that there's some that struggle in this room. I'm not hitting, uh, you know, I'm not just focusing on that, but we'll never be able to overcome big things if we can't face small things. You know, I know, okay, another little cliche that everybody knows. Well, you know, before David took on the giant, he faced lions and bears, and he overcame them, right? Everything's a training process, folks. If I can't manage my home life, if I can't manage my family, if I struggle, if I'm emotionally broken down and beaten, and I can't get up, dust myself off, in Christ, then I, I will never be able to be used by God in Cambridge. Why? Because I'll be totally just focused on me. Me, 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 me. I need, 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 need. But you don't know the pain. You don't know what Pastor so-and-so did to me. How he offended me so. I just can't go back there. No, folks, come on. You've got to dust yourself off. Because there are, there are giants out there. There are big giants of which are the church's obligation to tear down. Amen. And one of them is abortion. 
And we will never be able to do it if we're totally just licking our wounds all the time. I can't keep up. I'm just so scarred. Oh, my God. My dad doesn't love me. He didn't invite me to the family meeting. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not trying to, to minimize that which our hearts go through. I'm not trying to. I understand pain. I understand let down. I understand hurt. I get it. But I refuse to be in bondage over the pain. I refuse to be ensnared and never think of something greater than myself. God wants to slay giants. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. God wants to take down giants and He wants to use you and I to do it. And even if that little Goliath abortion doesn't come down, well, at least we're trying for something. At least we're throwing our rocks. <laughs> this one, Lord, this one, who knows what rock will take down the giant of abortion. My question is to you is, these silent seeds, they're not to be taken light. I don't take them light. That's why I'm at every one. Religiously. Religiously. But my question is to you, this may be a little harsh, where are you? I'm not just breaking it down to silent seeds. I'm talking about church life, kingdom life, folks. Well, I'm, I'm just so busy with school. I just don't understand, man. Listen, I understand busyness. I'm a father of one. Yes, I know that sounds pretty pathetic. But he is like having five kids. Okay, praise Jesus. He doesn't sleep in. He's constantly wanting to play Legos. It's like having five kids around. I love him. Full of energy. But listen, we can't keep our excuses from keeping us facing the challenges that God has for us in this city, the giants that God has for us to, 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 to take down and to overcome. And, and you know what? We're going to do it as a core team. We're going to get there. But you know what? We're going to get there a lot faster with full participation. Amen. Church is not a spectator sport. Amen. It's a place where you and I get to lock arms and do the work of the kingdom together. Amen. Come on! Listen, I'm not being hard. I'm just passionate. Sorry. Lord, I'm trying to get a hold of it. Lord's dealing with me. But anyways, we get to lock arms and do church life together. I don't want to be in an atmosphere like that. I, I love everybody. I do. I love everybody here. But man, when you got them wishy-washy, flaky Christians, which I, I love them. I used to be one. Sometimes I am. But my wife's going to go, snap out of it, boy. <laughs> You gotta come out, your pastor in Jesus' name. <laughs> and sometimes I just like taking some of God's sheep and just like, come out of it. It's not big, it's not that big of a deal. There's bigger giants to face. You're a co-laborer. You're a co-laborer in the church of God. No, no, I'm a student at Harvard. That's secondary, folks. That's secondary. Well, I talked to some guy. I won't tell his name. I won't say his name. Just last time. So moved me. I never heard language like this from a student at all. Now, I hope I don't butcher this. But we were talking last night, and I said, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, you know, balance your life? I, I hear so many students, it's like, it's like the end of the day, it's like, it seems like they can't balance their life. It's like school is so overwhelming. I'm not trying to, listen, I understand your, your task, 
And, and, I, and give yourself to it. Give yourself to it excellent, excellently. Okay? That's a word. If not, one of your students can come tell me how. No, but I, and I had talked to a student, and he said, you know, I purposed in my heart prior to coming here for my education that I was coming here to be part of this community. That was first place. And I understood what he was saying. He wasn't just talking about a community. He was talking about his walk with the Lord. In, in, in lock and step, instinct with a community that's vibrant and, 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 and got the presence of Jesus. He said, I put that first, and then I put my schooling next. Ooh. That's heavy. That's, that's an anomaly right there, in my opinion. But where is that, that, that spirit in a student? Or let's break out of students. Listen. I used to be in the workforce. I know what it's like to have to balance uh, 90 hour shifts and still be here for Saturday night prayer. Coming with pitch on me from the job. I, literally, I come with this pitch that we would use on the roads because I, I try to wash it off, but you need like an SOS pad to get this stuff off. You're like, come on, I mean, I gotta leave worship with these kids. They're gonna think I'm painting myself or something. But I know what it's like to work the real hard, crueling hours and then have to go. To a prayer set, even sometimes against my will. And I didn't do it for my wife. I wasn't married at the time. I could have made up excuses. God knows I wanted to sometimes. But I didn't. Because I loved being in a vibrant community. And there was something about our times of worship and our times of prayer that was so life-giving so that I could face Monday. You know... I can say it so much right now. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not. I'm not. I love you all. I am just trying to be truthful. God wants to galvanize. He wants to bring together the church to do kingdom life. To to lock in step and see some of our dreams fulfilled. Again, we're going to get there. I believe we're going to get there. But we will get there a lot faster with group participation. That's kind of like my second message. But anyways, the Goliath. It's our heart to see John Adams' courtyard filled. I don't know how we're going to do it. But we're putting together a think tank because we're not just going to talk anymore. We're not just going to, you know, kind of bloviate ideas and just be like, yeah, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool if this happened? No, we're actually going to put together a think tank on how we can mobilize the church to stand and be a spectacle. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's cool and it's kind of radical when you see just five people there and the freezing cold, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) 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 You're trying to pray and people think you're praying in tongues but you're just shivering. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of cool and you see people walk by, what are those five goofballs doing? But you know what? It would be even cooler if we had 50. Mm. You know what would be even cooler than that? If we had 500. Mm. That would be cool. Mm. Why? Because God wants to make a statement. Mm. He wants to make a statement. And you know what? That giant needs to see that it's just not one or two people you know, standing out in front of the courthouse or standing out in front of Planned Parenthood. God wants to see His church rally together and say, no, we are in opposition of this thing. It may not come down, but just so you know where we stand, we're here. We're letting you know. Mm. 
It's once a month. It's two hours long. This isn't a message for it, but I thought I'd just shoot it out there. Listen, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock after the prayer set, if you come, we're going to have a think tank. What that is is going to be a group of minds starting to deliberate deliberate with one another, talk and stuff about how we can mobilize the church here in the city to partake in, a, in the silent siege with us, to stand with our rock and our sling, to stand with our duct tape and our sharpie, with life tape, and we want to see the body of Christ come out in great numbers, in great force. Amen? If you want to be part of that, I'd encourage you, be here, right after our prayer set. We're going to go right into it. It's not going to be long. We're not going to be, uh, you know, long-winded with it. What we're simply going to do is just spend a little bit in prayer, trying to get the wisdom of God. Because honestly, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But God is inspiring us to do something. And you know what? Like I said before, bad things only go on because we, good people, do nothing about it. It's one thing to just stand there and point the finger and say, you know, I wish that thing wasn't, or I wish abortion didn't exist. It's another thing to say, well, it's there, now we're going to do something about it. Prayer's good, but activism with prayer is glorious. Come on. So I want to encourage you if uh, you want to come out for that, 9 o'clock here Wednesday. Where am I going with all this? I want to bring it home. It's kind of been everywhere, but nevertheless, I want to bring it home. I want to bring it to us personally. The giants that we face, the walls that we have to overcome. Where are you with that? Where are we with that? You know, I often think that we kind of shun away from things and, and at, the, at the big things like abortion because there's those little uh, little giants that seem to, to get in the way sometimes. God wants us to deal with them. Why? Because He wants to train us. That's all it was for David back in the day. Him slaying bears and, 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 uh, and lions in front of nobody was simply just a training ground for the day where he was in front of the Philistines and the Israels, Israelites, his brothers, and he's there. I'm prepared. I've been slaying. I've been taking care of my father's sheep, killing bears and killing lions. Now I'm ready for my public debut. No taxes. <laughs> Come on. Amen? Will, if you come up to the piano. I really believe that God wants to heal some of us. I really believe that God uh, God wants to prepare some of us for slaying some giants, for doing away with the excuses, and for taking on some big challenges that we face as a church. Remember I said I believe that abortion is a giant. It is for the church to deal with. It's the church's giant. But we can only deal with big, overwhelming things like that as we are within ourselves being dealt with and being healed together and being able to overcome some of our own giants, whatever those might be. I don't know what they are today. I, I don't have no interest in doing. You do. And you know what? More than that, the Lord knows. And my question is, I, 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 there came a time in my life where I was, I, I, I wanted to take off the mask 
I wanted to take it off. And, and, and I wanted to uh, have God help me overcome these giants. You know, we can only lie to ourselves so much uh, in the area of, of def- being defeated or living a life that feels as though we're a welcome mat for the devil to walk all over. And I'm just talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I just want us to close our eyes. It's hard to navigate through these things.